0: The Authentic Accountant is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit helps you leverage the latest technologies and works with you to create tomorrow's future innovations for your firm. Visit quickbooks.intuit.com. Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast with Seth David and co-host Erica Ed. If you've ever wanted to know the real story behind the most successful business leaders in the world today, stay tuned. Every story doesn't have an instant success peaches and cream background. We'll ask the questions that need to be asked and get the true stories of success. Now, here is Seth David and Erica Ed. Hey
1: everybody, welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. My name is Seth David and I'm here with my
2: co-host. Hey everybody, I'm Erica Ed.
1: And we have an incredibly, wonderfully, amazingly special guest today. But first, Erica, do you know what I did this morning?
2: Tell me, what'd you do this morning, Seth?
1: I logged in, of all things, to QuickBooks Online.
2: Get out! I did! You know I why? just find that so hard to believe.
1: I, I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. You know why I logged into QuickBooks Online?
2: Because you love QuickBooks Online and you log in every single morning.
1: Okay, two reasons why I logged into QuickBooks Online. The first one is what you said. The second one is to make sure I wasn't running out of money.
2: Good. And I'm All assuming right, you're excellent. not and, running and out of money.
1: I'm here. I didn't cancel the show, so I, I still have some money in the bank. Thank <laughs> Yay! you. Yay! Right. <laughs> All right. Perfect. No, I love QuickBooks Online. I love the mobile app. I love the fact that I can update my bank feeds from anywhere. Don't have to worry about being tethered to my computer and I can run reports and send invoices to clients and do all the things that you need to do to run a business and do it the way we do things in this day and age. That's what I love about QuickBooks Online. It's the best. Speaking of QuickBooks Online or not, let's (laughs) bring on our incredibly wonderfully specially spectacular guest for the day. Brooke Sellis. I pronounced that right, didn't I?
3: You did, yes. It's the easiest Greek name out there. Okay,
1: thank you, and <laughs> welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. You're officially tapped in. So, um, uh, again, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, you came to us by way of mutual contacts through John Ferrara, who's been a guest on here in the past, and uh, they suggested that we speak with you. And after doing a little research and learning about you and your company, I'm certainly glad they did make that recommendation. So. Welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit, uh, just tell us a real quick 30-second version, just so people can get a teaser for what's to come, about who you are, what you do, whom you do it for.
3: Sure. So I am the proud female owner of an all-female team of social media marketers. And we've been in business for six years. The company is B Squared Media. And essentially, we do done-for-you social media management and done-for-you online advertising for mid sized to enterprise-size clients.
1: Great. And we'll come back to a little bit more in depth on what that all actually means and what it looks like. But first, I want to go back to, you know, what you were like as a kid. What were your interests? <laughs> like? I don't imagine you grew up thinking, you know what, I'm going to run a social media, management agency that's run by women for the rest of my life.
3: No, no, actually, thank God. I'm really happy that social media wasn't around when I was little
2: because... <laughs> yes. um,
3: I was a good kid up until about 13, and then I was like the devil child, at least according to the stories my parents tell. The okay, is now I want to know what that's media, about.
2: There's no a, there's a photographic evidence of all of that.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank goodness that social media didn't come till much later when I had reverted back into an angel. And there is no evidence of my my double child years. No, so when I was really young, I loved animals. I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian or like an oceanographer or something really exciting. And I still love animals. But um, then I found out you had to see them when they were like hurt and sick. No. And I don't yeah. do well with that. I'm super sensitive. Like, I'll swerve and kill myself to miss a squirrel on the road. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that didn't work out. Um, and then I wanted to go into media, but I wanted to be a weather woman. That's what I went to school for was communications. I thought I was going to be, like, doing the weather on the news. And then I found out that I didn't like that so much. <laughs> <laughs> So I had like various jobs trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was in real estate for a while. I was in nonprofit for a while. And actually when I was in nonprofit is kind of where I figured out that I really wanted to be in social media. Um, we, We did a pub crawl for one of our events. And I used Facebook to recruit 7,500 people to attend. And we made nice. like $60,000. And I was like, wait a minute. There's <laughs> something to this whole Facebook thing. So it came about in a very, you know, messy path.
1: That's fascinating. So and, and explain to everybody what a pub crawl is, because I'm not sure I even understand exactly <laughs> what that is.
3: It's basically drinking for charity. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Uh, we went, I was in Dallas at the time. We went around to several bars and we were like, hey, We're going to bring all of these people through your bar. um, If you'll donate the space, it's for charity. Um, And then they kind of, we kind of let them fight amongst themselves who would be the last bar in the after party, because obviously they would make the most money. Um, and they donated the most to kind of get that spot. And then um, they worked with their distributors to get all of the beer donated. So it was like a very low cost event for us. And um, we had teams of 10 people move through. I think you got like two pitchers of beer at each bar and you, you couldn't leave that bar and go to the next until you finished your two pitchers of
2: beer. So basically, by the end, you can't stand up. (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
3: it makes it 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 sound evil. I guess this is why it's called a pub crawl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it makes it sound evil, but I mean... We, my mission when I went to our, go work for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation is they said to me, like, look, we have all of these donors, but they're all donors who are older and grandparents and parents of people with CF, and we need to figure out how to get young people involved. And uh-huh. that was my whole mission. And for me, like, how do you get a 21-plus-year-old involved with a, the Cystic Fibrosis get Foundation, drunk, which they know nothing <laughs> about, <a> beer
2: <laughs> and Facebook? Totally.
1: That's perfect. That's perfect. When I was
2: when I was in college, they had my college town had this. It was the same it was a pub crawl. I honestly don't think it was even for charity. I think it was just an event <laughs> that they did, but they but it, they, they incorporated bicycles. So everyone oh would my get on their bicycle and they would ride from bar oh to bar God. to bar. And it was like I don't think they do it anymore now because I think there were just so a liability.
3: Many, <laughs> so many people crashing a little? their
2: bicycles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: they they did doing it. Doing it. Now that's evil. I like that. I need to know who's <laughs> I want to be their
2: friend. (laughs) Plus, I think
1: in a lot of states now, you can actually get arrested for riding a bicycle drunk, just like you can get arrested for driving a car drunk.
2: Yeah, yeah no, I think it I, was I, like everyone sort of knew what was going on, and and so they let it all slide. But like people were really seriously getting injured. No,
3: we we you had to walk, and we did have police officers who were like blocking traffic and moving like th- through the crosswalks and stuff. So we tried to make yeah. it as safe as possible, obviously because we are were a charity, are still are. But um, but yeah, <laughs> I like the bike idea. That should <laughs> just be like a privately held event on someone's like acreage estate. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
4: That's
1: hilarious. Yeah, when I was in college, I. I, I was sort of recruited to join a fraternity, and what the, the way here's how I got sold on it. They said, look, our membership are made up of basically drug addicts, alcoholics, and people with gambling problems, <laughs> and I was like, okay, where do I sign? Get me in, and and not only was I a member, I then became president of this fraternity, of course. and when I was, instead of doing pub crawls, I had a designated person who was in, tr- he was our party something, and he party was in charge of- Exactly. And he was in charge of doing these kinds of events, but not for charity. You know, he would just he knew where to go to get the ice blocks carved so we could pour the shots down the ice block. We were very, very organized about how we got wasted in college. That's
3: amazing. Is he he, is he an event planning today?
1: He's not. He's actually an international tax accountant for a major public accounting firm.
3: (laughs) What A (laughs) A little bit of a left turn there.
1: (laughs) Slightly. Speaking of so. So I know we kind of jump forward into the nonprofit and how you did the pub crawl and that kind of cued you into, okay, here's what I love to do. But what happened before that? I mean, I got the gist of, all right, so we loved animals, but we couldn't do the veterinarian thing because you felt you too heartfelt about the animals. And I I love that. I appreciate that. We have three dogs. They're all rescues here in my Uh home. Erica's got a dog that she shares, I guess you could say with her. Um, Anyway, so we're all animal lovers here. I love that about you, but, what so what happened so you like where were you at when you realized that you were not going to go to you know veterinary school was this like in college or before that or
2: It was before
3: that. It was definitely in high school. Um I had done some volunteering work and kind of realized that you know you had to deal with like the not so great parts it wasn't just about like petting the animals it was about like cleaning up their poop and which I'm totally cool with poop I don't get squeamish about poop or anything but like it's the it's the hurt animal thing that like I just can't I can't handle it like I yeah. cry like you know I right. let me put it in perspective for you when the a whale died on the symptom. The Simpsons, the cartoon, The Simpsons. There was a whale that died. I cried. I cried during that episode. That's how ridiculous I am. Like, it's it's far beyond ridiculous.
2: (laughs) That is really funny. I cried at the end of Charlotte's Web. Okay, yeah. Yeah. See, that would be me. And I was probably a teenager. I mean, I was... Maybe even in my early 20s. Don't tell me.
1: <laughs> okay, so I have to ask, what about Free Willy? Did you cry? You must
2: Of have. course I
1: cried,
3: okay. yeah. I'm the person who in the movies, like today, now, in my late 30s, when the animal gets hurt in the movie, I cry. But when the person gets killed, I'm like, but what about the animal? Did the horse right. make it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and who's going to take care of the animal now that his owner is dead? Yeah.
4: Right? That's, that's, I yeah. go there,
1: too. I totally go there.
4: <laughs> uh, that's
1: great. So did you did you go to school you know formally and if you did what did you study
3: I did. When I first went to school, I went down in Texas where I'm from. I've lived there for 29 years. Um, and I went to school at, at Sam Houston State for the, the Dan Rather School of Communications. This is where oh, well, I thought I was right, woman. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: But I could see where that ties very, I'm sure you can use a lot of that in what you're doing today. No question.
3: Definitely. Because, you know, I ended up finishing school. Long story short, I, I left school for a boy. Every parent's nightmare. I guess the evil came back out and ended up moving. To Dallas, and then got into real estate and nonprofit before I went back to finish. But when I went back and finished at Penn State, I did communication again, but it was communication and media studies. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't really oh. anything on social, but it was very much about like PR and marketing online, web marketing as they called it back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I it was it was in the same line. It was just kind of a different, more niche down trajectory. Sure. Gotcha.
1: And what was it about being a weather being a weather person that changed your mind about being a weather person? <laughs> the
3: weather girl. Yeah, the weather girl. You know, I don't love being on camera I think that's what it comes Mm -hmm. down to like I hate video like my team (laughs) tries to push me you know videos all the rage right now I just I don't love it and I didn't realize that I didn't love it until like we started doing some of those exercises and I was like
2: "Ooh, I hate the way I sound I hate the way I look I hate that face I make yeah that first time that you see yourself on tape it's like I don't do that with my face yeah. do I is that what are my eyebrows doing like you start like <laughs> yeah. you get like closer and closer and you're like my eyes look like they're half but, like it gets crazy yeah <laughs>
3: your yes you're your own worst, worst critic and I totally get that but I was just like I'm not liking any of this the looks the voice none of it's working yeah. for me
2: <laughs> it takes a while to get used to it for sure Right.
1: That's funny. And then you have people like me where I'm just totally uninhibited and the first time I went, I was like, Okay, this is fun. I'm gonna be on camera, I'm gonna do this, we're gonna have fun, I'm gonna make videos about accounting and bookkeeping, and everybody's gonna love it.
3: Yeah. No, I I would give every penny in my bank account. Well, no, not every penny. I would give half of my bank account to be like that and I would give the other half to like sleep like a normal person. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: So no, and it's funny now, actually, I think more than in the beginning, I'll look back at some of my older videos and I'll be like mortified. I'll be like, I can't believe I put that out there for the public to see.
3: Yeah, I mean, I am getting over it a little bit. We, we do. I do like a monthly AMA, ask me anything on our on our Facebook page. And I just I still am, I, feel, I, I hate my voice. I have such a baby voice. Um, so, yeah, I think that it just it just
1: I think your voice is great, though. I don't know. I would listen to you.
3: Oh, it's so like high pitched. I think this is why animals like me too, <laughs> because so, my voice is like so high pitched. Babies and animals are always drawn to me. It's just, that's funny. Wait, that is really funny. So
1: my wife has a very high pitched voice, and and when I first met her, I remember she would describe herself as sounding like Mickey Mouse on acid.
3: Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! That's yeah. Hilarious. That's, I'd be mortified if that's what you said. Yeah.
1: That's funny. All right. So ultimately you realized, and, and Erica, did you mention, what, there was a movie about like weather women and how vicious they were. Like they were all killing each other, I think.
2: Oh, I don't know. I don't
1: Some know. years ago.
2: I don't know. Sounds <laughs> I mean, like something I'd like though. I'm yeah. trying
1: to remember. There was years ago. I remember there was a movie and it was about this woman who was so like relentless about becoming a weather woman that you eventually find out that she's like, got all these schemes to take out the competition. And so that oh.
4: Was, yeah,
3: I believe it. It's the same as like, I think just like that industry, TV, movies, whatever. It's yeah, very, it's very cutthroat appearance and very cutthroat, which doesn't really like align so much with my, right with who I am, I guess. So,
1: <laughs> okay. So at the time, so, uh, so at the time you decided or realized you weren't going to want to become a weather woman, what was like the next thought? What did you think? Okay, now what?
3: I don't know that I was thinking that much back then. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I was,
0: I was were doing pub crawls.
3: In 20s. Yeah. So it was kind of like fly by the seat of your pants time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think my next thought was just when I ended up going to Dallas and I got that job in real estate, I did really well. I, I will say, okay, so what I started to realize when I started doing well with that job in real estate is that I really liked sales. Sales mm-hmm. was a big part of what I enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. Um, And that kind of led me into um, being a great salesperson, but then also, like, for my company now, you're talking to the entire sales team. So, really, my job, even now, is sales-based.
1: What did you like, and even today, what do you like about sales specifically?
3: I've always loved the chase. Like, I get bored very easily. Um, so I, I love the chase. I think that's why I, it took me so long to settle down and get married because I, like, liked a guy until he liked me, and then I didn't like him anymore because
2: <laughs> the fun part was over.
3: <laughs> so um, I think I've just always been the type of person who loves the chase. So, you know, and then once you grab the client, it. You know, unlike a marriage, you don't keep them forever. You have to, you know, work to keep them. So it's mm-hmm. still intertwines with There's sales. chase in that there. Challenge.
1: So I would say the thrill of the hunt, but I don't think that would bode well in this environment. We're all animal lovers.
3: Here. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, hunting, no. No, no, no. thrill of the
1: hunt. <laughs> But the throw of the chase. I like that.
3: Yeah, the chase. The chase. I love it. It just It's exciting. You get to talk to new people. And I like solving problems. I'm a problem solver. So when people come to me and they have a unique situation that they want fixed, I like to try to figure out like, hey, is this something we can solve? And if we can, I want to win this person over so I can solve this problem.
1: Gotcha
2: That's an intro that's a recurring theme we hear about people who've worked in sales and and, and enjoy sales because so many people are afraid of sales yes and, and hate doing sales but but it seems like the people who really love it that's that ultimately is what it comes down to is listening to, to your clients and and ultimately trying to solve their problems and, and be of service to them, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, I think the reason people are so afraid of sales or or don't like it is because they don't really understand what being in sales really means. They think that being in sales means you have to like convince people to do something they don't want to do. And that's really so misguided if that's what people are thinking. I think the people like us, because I'm the same way, I love sales. I love the thrill of the chase. I love getting that new client. And I think it's really all about understanding what it means to just have a conversation with somebody, you mm-hmm. know, like you said, Brooke, you like to solve problems and I can relate to that. Cause I love, I love listening to people explain to me what's going on in their world and listening with an ear towards all right, here's the problems. How can I break this down into simple terms and then connect the pieces? Like I like to describe what we do at Nerd Enterprises as what we call, you know, sort of digital plumbing, right?
3: Ooh, okay. I like right. that. Explain that.
1: Because we, <laughs> we build ecosystems for clients, right? We say, okay, so uh, the biggest pain point, first we got to make sure the accounting is right because that's sort of the epicenter of everything, okay. right? The foundation, and from the ac- yeah. Right. And so from the accounting stems out all the other stuff. We need a CRM to track a good sales process, right? Mm-hmm. We need the social. Social media marketing, how's that going to be managed? It should, in my opinion and experience, come from the heart of the person who's at the center of that company, but they can't do everything. So they might need to hire somebody like, you know, like you guys to, um, you know, to help them with that. But then that's where I have questions for later on in in the segment. But, um, you know, so it goes from there, and, and so we look at all the pieces that need to be put together, and Eric and I work hard on building the workflow around data management. How do we get data from one place to the next and make sure it gets there accurately and make sure it gets to the right place, and then ultimately in a format and in the hands of the right person, right? So that's, that's kind of how I describe what we do at Nerd Enterprises, and um, with that, we've got to take a short break. And when we come back, Brooke, we're going we're gonna to take you into some of the darker times. I want to hear about some of the struggles you've had and how you've overcome them. So uh, break out the tissue box, and uh, we'll come back after these brief messages from our incredible sponsor.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to quick books.intuit.com to find out more. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services, from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you so you can share your screen and we get you through it plus all sessions are recorded so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards for more information visit nerdenterprises.com. enterprises.com think you've seen everything there is to see in online television let us surprise you visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports health business and more on demand 24 7 you are listening to the authentic accountant podcast To find out more, send an email to T-A-A-P at nerdenterprises.com. That's T-A-A-P at nerdenterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Welcome back to the
1: Authentic Accountant Podcast. I'm still here. My name is Seth David. Erica's still here. I'm I'm right here. And amazingly, Brooke is still here. Hey. (laughs) We have not yet scared her away.
2: No, you guys are great.
1: Thank you. So when we, when we left off, we were kind of talking about, you know, the digital plumbing aspect that we were talking about, you know, solving the puzzle for people, right? And that's what we do. We might look at a client's accounting, but at a certain point, they might we might say, okay, we need to boost sales, right? Mm-hmm. And in order to boost sales, we need to figure out what to do. Is the owner going to have the bandwidth and the wherewithal to create their own content? I love that if they do, because that's the heart and soul, but most of them won't, right? So they're going to need help. They're going to need somebody like B squared, right?
3: Right. So, I mean, that's why we get called in most of the time. It's because they don't have the time or they don't have the resource. Right. And resource could also mean time. It could mean person, or it just could mean even the special skill set. So they may have somebody in marketing who doesn't have advertising chops.
1: Exactly. So, which goes back to the point of you know. So we know that today you're you're running a very successful social media management agency, um, where you work with it looks like a range of companies from small to even very large ones. Um, But in between, getting from wanting to be a vet to wanting to be a weather person to, you know, eventually getting, and we understand how you got there through the communications, but along the way, there must have been some struggles. There must have been some times when you thought, man, I just, I don't know if I'm headed in the right direction, or maybe worse, I'm ready to throw in the towel and give up. Tell us about some of those times in your life and, you know, how you experienced them and what you did to get through them.
2: I
3: think… My biggest struggle and my biggest regret or really only regret was that I left school for for the boy. We won't mention his name, Um, you know, and really disappointed my parents and myself. Um, And so what I ended up doing was going back to school, like I mentioned, but I was 29 by the time that happened. So I left my entire life and all my friends and my job in Dallas and moved to the Northeast And moved in with my parents (laughs) at 29 to finish that year of school, which by then, and things not transferring, turned into two years. So Mm -hmm. I think um, that was a struggle for me because even though I was, you know, fixing this mistake, this major mistake and regret that I had, I had to leave this whole life behind and go live with my parents as a full-on adult, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that was a really, that was a struggle for me, but it turned out to be the most amazing decision I ever made because all of that sacrifice led to be squared. It led to my husband. It led to the life that I'm living today. So I think I was, the sacrifice seems so small now in comparison to all of the rewards that I got because I made that sacrifice, if that makes sense. Um, and then I think it was a real struggle before I started Be Squared. I had finished school. I was working for another company remotely. I was in the Northeast, but I was working for a company back in Texas. And I really struggled there because uh, she had hired me to be their marketing director and to prove kind of these social media done-for-you concepts that I had come up with. Um, and that was going really well. But she and I didn't see eye-to-eye eye on how to manage those concepts and... and you know, how to hire teams for those concepts. And I, I'm a super loyal person, almost to a fault. So I was really struggling with what to do there because I was doing what I loved, but I was, having, I was being pinned down and, and having to do it in a way that made me unhappy. Um, and I think really my then boyfriend, now husband and my parents were, again, my saving grace because they came to me and kind of said like, look, you need to go and do this on your own you need to leave this company and just, you know, it works, you know, you're going to be successful. You just need to make the leap. And that was, that was a really hard thing for me to do because I didn't want to, um, make anyone upset about the decision, meaning like on the, on the company side in Texas. But I also like, I think I was just scared. I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself still to, to know that I could go out and do it on my own. So it took a lot of handholding and pleading and pushing from my family to, to finally make the leap.
1: So if I heard everything accurately, it sounds like one of the biggest sort of struggles was hitting that pivotal point where you had left school and but now you realize what you wanted to do, and you knew what it was going to take to get there, and it was really in a lot of respects starting over, and that can be overwhelming.
3: Very, yeah, it was extremely overwhelming. I mean, I feel I feel, I feel like I I think I cried like every day for two years. I feel like uh oh. and, and not not in like a like a sad way, just in like I was so overwhelmed. That's the perfect word, I think, or just like having so much anxiety about like did I make the right decision because. I've moved on from this whole life that I built, spent building for 29 years to try this thing that who knows what's going to happen.
1: Right. And so how did you deal with that? How did you sort of when you found yourself feeling overwhelmed or questioning (laughs) whether or not you were making the right decision? How did you get through it? How did you not give up?
3: What's funny is that in the beginning, I was just putting my nose to the grindstone. I was taking like 24 credits a semester. Mm -hmm. I was also, um, I wanted to graduate with honors, which at Penn State to do so, you have to do an undergraduate thesis, which I did mine on social media. And so I was just literally working like 80 hours a week you know, getting, I was going to get in, get out and head right back to Texas. And I think what happened, and it was almost literally a year and a half in is another adult student. uh, They call us adult (laughs) students when you go back (laughs) as an old person. And he had done two tours in Iraq. And He kept begging me to come skiing with a bunch of him and his friends. And I was like, no, Pete, I don't do fun. I mean, I'm here. I have to to get this done and go right back to Texas. And finally, somehow he convinced me to go out and hang out with these, these ski buddies of him. And I remember I had the best time. Like I remembered what it was like to be, you know, at that time I was 30, but to be, you know, young again and like hanging out with people my own age and having fun and, and having a few drinks. And I was like, okay, see, I, even though I left that life behind, I don't have to become someone totally different. Like I can, I can be both. I can be like this person who wants to make this new step and build this new life and work really hard, but it's okay to play sometimes too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, That was pivotal. And not to mention, his roommate was out of town the first time I came and visited. So I slept in his roommate's bed, who is actually now my husband. The next time I went, my husband wasn't there that first time, but Pete talked me into coming back. And the next time I went, I met my husband. Wow. So that was, I think... It was just the universe's way of kind of like slapping me on the forehead and being like, hey, you can have fun, too. And if you do have fun, good things will come out of that, too. It's not just about having fun. Yeah,
2: I think it's interesting because I think, you know, when we're young, we have these this vision of what our life is going to be. And it's and it, it sometimes that vision can sometimes turn into a very small box or almost even a prison. And I had to you know, put myself in prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, you, like you finally break out and then it's like nose to the grindstone. I'm going to get I'm going to get to where I'm going because I got to get back to do this because this is what my life's supposed to look like. It's not over here. It's over here. And mm-hmm. if we just let go of all that and just go with, you know, roll with the punches and let life, you know, come as it's going to come with an open mind. I mean, really beautiful things can can evolve out of that. A hundred percent. I mean, if you would have told
3: me at any point in those 29 years or even the first year or more up here that I was going to be living in New Jersey, like living in the East coast, I would have laughed you right off the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Never going to happen. New Jersey, especially like no way.
1: (laughs) That's funny. So it's, you know, I think what, at least what I take away from what you described, Brooke is that it's it's actually in balancing things out. It's in being willing to let go a little bit and saying, you know what, I can go have a little bit of fun that we get to have a balanced experience on the whole. And sometimes that's exactly what we need to relieve stress. I was just, um, it's kind of funny, the timing of everything. Um, Just last night, I was in a, Living with Diabetes class that my doctor sent me to because on Monday my doctor's like you're out of control you're not getting this under control I need you to take this class and and we're gonna add to your medication and blah blah blah." and just it was like a really depressing visit with the doctor actually Uh. basically saying the next step is I'm putting you on insulin if you don't get this under control but it was so interesting because you know it's like I know what to do and yet. In the right moments, I often just don't choose to do what I know I should do. I don't choose to eat the right foods. I choose to eat the wrong foods and so on and so forth. And I'm racking my own brain. Why do I do this to myself? I know I'm a smart guy. I know I've built my whole system. And when I first got diagnosed, I lost 30 pounds and I knew exactly what to do. I did the research just like you. I I practically put myself through school for what are the right kinds of foods to eat. And I learned exactly what to do. And yet I still don't do it. Mm -hmm. and I went to this class last night, and I went there kind of reluctantly thinking this is going to be a waste of time. I already know all this stuff. I just have to learn to put it into action, right, and then something they said really triggered me, and because the the woman instructing the class, the registered nurse, she says, all right, so what are the main causes? What are the main, and she got specifically into exactly what I needed, because she said, what are the main causes for why we don't do what we already know very well what we should do, and she, said, and she pointed to one major thing, which you pointed to in that pivotal moment, which is stress, right? Uh-huh. Being overwhelmed. When we're overwhelmed, when we're stressed out, it's hard to make the right decision. It's hard to balance because we think, I can't balance. I need to focus and study. I need to do all this stuff like Eric was just describing. I got to do this and I got to do that. You know, we, we go crazy. And then I realized that, yeah, it's because, because of high levels. When I'm stressed out, I don't want to go stop mm-hmm. and make a salad you know, I want to get a cheeseburger and a slice of pizza. I want to put cheeseburgers <laughs> on my slice of pizza yes. and I want to shove that <laughs> down my throat. You know, and, and, but what I got out of it was that the answer then is better stress management, right? Mm-hmm. Taking that trip to go skiing with your friend was probably really good stress management.
3: Oh, right? it was such a stress release. Yeah. And I, I've fallen back into those habits too of like, especially. Of course, not all all do, yeah. Yeah, working too much and then trying to be like whoa, whoa, whoa. You, I have, I need a hobby. I need something to do so I don't get
2: stuck in this mm-hmm. rut. Yeah,
1: yeah and I that's what it, it really. Sorry, oh, I'm go just
2: gonna comment on your stress thing. You know, and just get real meta here that you know, <laughs> animals experience stress when they don't have food, when they're you know they're threatened or you know like they're they're we are animals. I mean, people are human beings are animals, right? But what we do is as humans is we create this whole world of stress that doesn't need to be a, are you fed? B, do you have a roof over your head? C, are you, you know, do you have enough water to drink? Are you able to sleep at night? Very basic things are taken care of. So instead of just kicking back and saying, Hey, (laughs) I'm all right. We go, well, I'm not where I should be. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) we do. It's terrible. It yeah. becomes this monster on our back that we carry around with us, with us all the time. And, you know, and it's interesting because those, all those ideas are things that we created what to make, What these are all things, all of our goals in life, all these, these visions of where we should be, right, are, are created because we think that's what's going to make us happy. Mm-hmm. When if we just took those breaks and, and went on the ski trip and enjoyed our friends and our family, guess what? We'd be happy. <laughs> exactly yeah, I started I started horseback riding this summer,
3: actually, when I was in Maine um, as a way to like get back to nature and just to try to like stress relief really relieve. Um, and it helps so much. I literally block off my calendar on Fridays. And usually every Friday, not today because of this big storm that rolled through, but usually every Friday, I, I, I don't plan any meetings or anything like that. If, if fires pop up, I'll take care of those. But I have a horseback riding lesson. Yeah. And I go and I try to leave everything from the week behind and use all of that energy and uh, to, to you know ride a 1,200-pound animal around for a little while. Yeah. And
2: that has helped tremendously with bringing me down a level. And you know what I think is super cool? What you just said is you have that on your calendar on Fridays. It's blocked off. Every, it's every your Friday. calendar.
3: Yeah.
1: You it is an appointment that. that is just as important as any appointment you might have with any client you might have.
2: Yeah. And yeah. I think so many of us get busy with life and, and work and business. And especially a lot of our listeners who are, are, are probably small business owners and running their own firms and their own businesses. Yeah. We always put that stuff off. We put that self-care stuff off thinking, well, we'll, I'll do it after hours. I'll do it when I get off. It never happens
3: that way, though. You have to plan for it, just like everything else. If you want to be successful, we all have a plan, right? You build the process. Well, you have to build that process and that plan for yourself, too. Otherwise, the process of making the salad or whatever it is, you have to build that in because – Especially as entrepreneurs, we, we, we stick by these schedules and processes, but then we don't do it in our personal life. And so it's so silly that we have the answer and we're just overlooking it constantly.
1: One thing I learned that was great uh, earlier this year, I was reading, um, it was actually part of a course I'd signed up for. Um, but this guy talked about putting success in your way. And he gives the example of he would place his gym bag on the side of his bed. So he would literally trip over it, getting out of bed and leaving his bedroom so that it's like hard to forget, you know, no excuses. In my case, I've got my gym bag packed in my car's trunk, ready to go. Of course, I haven't been to the gym in weeks, but it's there. <laughs> I could at any moment go. I have what I need. I don't have to worry about going home and getting what I need, you know. Um, but other maybe examples. Not,
2: maybe if you haven't been in weeks, maybe that plan's not working.
1: Yeah, that plan is definitely not working. Your bed. But it's uh yeah maybe I need to put it by my bed. But here's my, my the way my brain works is I'll just step right over and say ah later. But <laughs> maybe you have know,
2: to put it in your chair. So I you might have, have to, to just to literally it to, pick it up before you can get. To work
1: <clears throat> I think I have to tie it to my leg. That's what I need to yeah. do. I have to tie the gym bag to my leg. No, but another example of something that has worked really well is recently my wife started taking fruit out of the fridge in the morning and putting it out on a counter. So that when I'm going for a snack, instead of grabbing a bag of chips, I'm actually grabbing some grapes or some raspberries or some fruit that's really good for me to eat. And that has made all the difference, right?
3: uh I do that trick with my husband, too. He he needs the fruit actually cut up, so I have to maybe take it a little (laughs) bit further. (laughs) <laughs> but if I wash it and cut it up and it's like literally like ready to go, he will make that choice over yeah. something else. So it's like psychological warfare, I think sometimes, you exactly.
1: know, that's exactly what it is. Because if I have to do any kind of work, if there's any kind of work between me and that piece of fruit, I'm grabbing the bag of chips. Cause that's really easy.
2: Yeah. You're going with the easy button. Who yeah. wouldn't, I mean, the easy button, well, I think the there's no shame me. in that. You know, if you know, that's what you are, if that, if you know, that's how you are and like, and, and it, and it may not be a matter of being lazy or whatever, you're just busy during the day. So you're going to grab what's fast and easy and get it and go. Then, you know, take the precautions, cut the fruit up the night before, whatever, you know, whatever it it is that works, just do it. It's very alluring. So you have to make, yeah, the fruit, the path of least resistance if if you can.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Work beautifully.
2: Well, we have to take another quick break here. So if you've got some fruit cut up in your fridge, (laughs) you have plenty of time to run over and grab it and come on back. We'll be right back after this break.
0: Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services, from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises, Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you, so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded, so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit nerdenterprises.com. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to Facebooks.intuit.com to find out more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, send an email to TAAP at nerdenterprises.com. That's TAAP at nerdenterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Hey,
2: everybody, welcome back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. I'm still here with my co host, Seth, and we've been talking here with Brooke about a lot, a variety of really amazing topics here. Um, a, smorgasbord <laughs> a smorgasbord of conversations. A smorgasbord of conversations. But this is our final segment here, and as you know, we want to get into what it's like today for you, what you have going on in your world. Um, I know you talked about your love with uh, your love of sales, and um, so we want to hear a little bit more about that and any advice you have to offer there. And then, obviously, of course, we want to hear more about um, B Squared uh, Media. So let's jump in. Tell us. T- you know, let's, do you have any advice for us in terms of sales for those of us who may have a skewed perception of what sales looks like
1: <laughs> <laughs> for the sales allergic,
2: you know, yes, sales know, sales of us who see, see sales as maybe that slimy guy who's given us a pitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, Seth was talking about that earlier about, you know, People who
3: see sales as winning, I think, are you know we we you conjure up like that sleazy car salesman, right? Like he just wants to win the deal. He doesn't really care about you. And I don't have that kind of. I'm not a pushy seller. I'm more about like listening first, which is very important in sales. Not for all salespeople. Maybe not the the car salesman guy. Um, and then figuring out if I can solve that problem. what we call a win-win-win on our team. So if we can win, meaning we win the deal, if the client can win, meaning we can solve their problem or meet their KPIs, and if the team can win, and that could even just be like giving someone a new project or, you know, getting them to work with a client who they really love that space or whatever it may be. When everybody wins, that's, that's what really we aim for. And as a salesperson, that's what I aim for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, I think it's true. I think that, you know, there are certain salespeople out there who have given sales a bad name and it's because of the approach. And I think you nailed it on the head, Brooke, when you said it's the kind of person who doesn't really care about the person they're selling to, you know, that car salesman who doesn't really care if it's the right car for the person, they just want to get the sale done. Right.
2: Yeah. They want the commission, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. They just, you know, when I worked as a stockbroker, Many years ago, I remember one of the scams that brokers would pull is they would basically have their book of business split into two major stocks. And they'd be two stocks that were doing really well. And what they would do is called, there's a term for it. It was called crossing stock. Meaning I would take the clients that were in book one and trade them out of stock one and into stock two. And take the clients that were in book two and trade them out of stock two and into stock one. And the whole purpose of it was just to generate commissions. It wasn't benefiting uh, anyone. Because wow. if it was, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't trade everybody I wouldn't trade people from both places across to the other. The yeah. idea and, and what they would tell each person on each side is, Hey, I gotta get you out of the stock. It's it's had its run, you know, it's time to get into something else. And I would say that same pitch to people in both companies about that their you know, anyway, you get it. That's the wrong <laughs> way, you know, clearly. Yeah. And that's why that's cons- that's actually fraud, right? But my point is, that's the kind of salesperson that gives sales a bad name. I think what gives, I think the good side of sales, as you were talking about, Brooke, is when, like, I love the idea of win, win, win. You know, everybody wins. Um, you know, where the idea is that everybody does walk away getting value, right? So, uh, I hope that when a client spends money with Nerd Enterprises as a company, that I want to be able to look at what they've spent with me at some point and say, because of the money they've spent with us, you know, and we handle the accounting and bookkeeping and a lot of the, as I mentioned earlier, digital plumbing, you know, putting Mm -hmm. their processes together. I'm hoping that we can create efficiencies that enable them to become more profitable and that there's a certain point where I can, put my fingers on it where it's tangible and I could say because of our efforts, your sales increased by this much. And yes. that amount of sales increase more more than made up for what you paid us, right? Yes. And I'm yes. assuming the ROI, right? We yes,
3: to make the, sure ROI. the ROI. ROI. Right? That's like the number one thing we get. So, you know, on my sales calls, I do like an initial thirty minute free consultation because I want to understand like what are your needs? Where are you at? Are we the right fit for you? Because we may not be. And one of the first questions I often get on that call is, you know, how can you prove return on investment to me? Mm-hmm. And I explain to them, you know, in an advertising world, if we're talking about ads, that's really easy to do. If we're talking about organic social, that's not as hard to do. But what we can do is come up with what your business goals are. Pick your social media purpose. Make sure that that purpose and those activities are tied to that business goal. And then from there, we have KPIs that we can show you every month that we're hitting or missing. And then that helps you determine a return on investment, even though it may not be dollar for dollar.
1: Now, so I'm curious, and if you don't mind, I want to go into the weeds a little bit here. Sure. Let's say Nerd Enterprises was to hire B Squared Media, right? Now, I'm a guy that produces a lot of his own content because I love to do it. I make my own. Which (laughs) is
3: fantastic. Right.
1: But I'm a rare bird, right? Yes. business you're, owners. You're an understand. outlier. Right. Right. And big time. So because I know a lot of the other accountants and bookkeepers I talk to, their first thing is I don't have time for that or I don't or I don't have the face for a video or I don't I don't have the confidence, whatever it is. So I'm curious if, 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 if when a company hires B Squared, how are you able to take their brand, which is that person that's at the core of that business and sort of uh, reflect that image to the world in social media when it's not them actually, when it's not their voice or face in the content? How do, right. you, how do you make that translation happen?
3: One of the things we do with every client is we have a, a brand persona document, which is a le- living, breathing document that we work on with the client. And we go through in the very beginning during our kickoff call, and we um, have some um, tone and voice homework that we kind of put the client through. And we force them to tell us, essentially what their unique selling proposition is and what their unique voice and messaging is around that USP. And you would be surprised how many people, even larger companies, don't have this stuff down. Mm -hmm. So we really work with them, again, to to listen to what the problem is and to say, you know, you don't have a tone right now or you don't have a voice, we need to figure this out. And we run them through this exercise, we help them figure it out. And then we pop in examples of this tone and voice and personality into this living, breathing document so that if and when they ever leave us, we're handing them tools to walk away with and continue to hopefully be successful and understand like how to be their own brand. So it's really easy for us to be them when they know who they are. <laughs> right. When they don't, we kind of have to work on that together and we're happy to help them figure out
1: who no, they I'm, are. I'm sure most companies don't have a clue how to even describe their customer avatar right?
3: Uh, yes. Yeah. That's another, uh, some, another similar problem that we run into a lot. So yeah, I think you'd be surprised at how many successful people don't have that stuff down. So my pitch to the smaller guy, when he says, look, I don't have any of that stuff. I'm not a big company. I'm like, you don't need to be because they don't know it either.
4: Right. <laughs>
3: so, <laughs> so it's fine. We're going to help you through this, but it is going to, it's really a partnership. So that's the other thing that when I'm selling, I talk about is like, we're, We want to find out if we're the right partner for you, but also if you're the right partner for us. Because if you think you're going to hand us your social media and your brand, essentially, and expect us to go out there and be you without any input from you, you're not the right client for us. Well, we can find you someone else who will gladly take your money, (laughs) but we won't.
1: Right. Yeah. But no, but I think you hit it on the head. So the important thing is that that business owner has to interface very deeply with you so that you can download from them what that brand what their brand really needs to be and look like and feel like to the end audience, right? And I assume you also work like if I said to you all right, Brooke, uh, Nerd Enterprises, you know, our consulting division, we specialize in e-commerce and real estate clients. So let's focus on e-commerce. We want to build campaigns around drawing in those kinds of customers. Let's have that conversation. Pretend I'm about to hire you. So sure. where do you start?
3: Yeah, so I think where we would, what we would like to see if if it's possible is, you know, do you have any current sort of makeup about a customer persona? If you don't, if you have a list of customers or a CRM that you're working with, you know, can we get access to that? Or can you pull us some reports for that, that will help us make some identifiers of who these people are? Because e-commerce is like, That could be anybody, right? (laughs) So that doesn't tell me a lot. So we're going to look for those identifiers to help us understand, like, when you say e-commerce, for you specifically, what are the demographics? We start with, like, the easy layup stuff. You know, what are the demographics of your particular e-commerce clients? And then... B we look at the psychographics or the interests of your particular e-commerce clients and then we meld those demographics and psychographics together to come up with kind of a a persona or a group of people that we would be targeting with your specific e-commerce messaging. Right. Does that make sense? No, or is that like
2: often nerd land? <laughs> no. no. Yeah. And the more specific obviously the 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 more the probably the better
3: The better
1: targeted, yeah.
2: Yeah, and the
3: wonderful thing about ads too, especially now with Facebook, oh my gosh. And LinkedIn, oh my gosh, LinkedIn just upgraded their advertising interface, which it was terrible before. So we were kind of like, we have B2B clients who use LinkedIn, and we we, we do prove success yeah. for them. But it's like pulling teeth to get some of this stuff done. They just updated their interface. It's going to be so much easier to run LinkedIn ads for B2B clients. So anyways, that's my shout-out to
1: LinkedIn. No, I'm glad <laughs> you brought this up because I, yeah. I, for one, I'm, I'm really good at producing content videos. We do a lot of educational videos the way we are looking at bringing in e-commerce clients, for example, sure. is by doing, you know, and Eric and I discussed this. in the In the past, a lot of my videos were aimed at, bringing in training clients, but we want to flip that a little bit into bringing consulting clients. And I thought long and hard about this and I said, what do I have to do differently in my content? I'm curious what you think about this, but I also want to say something about the Facebook advertising. But... You know, so I thought about this long and hard over a weekend, and what I came up with was a lot of my videos are about the inputs of the bookkeeping and accounting, and that's going to attract people who need help with that. They're going to want training. But I said, yeah, yeah. But if I focus on the outputs, on um, you know, doing videos about the kind of reports you can get when the accounting's yeah. done right, that's going to attract the people who want consulting. Because an Amazon seller is going to see the kind, or or like our typical client sells on Amazon, eBay, and on their website, and on you know these other off the wall sort of channels. Walmart is up. Coming, I think, as a place for people to sell on. And so I can show, for example, a report that we just did for a client recently that shows buy sales channel here's your profitability and it shows how many more fees are coming in from Amazon and how how much less profitable Amazon is but you have to do it because it's freaking Amazon so you have to sell on Amazon but you're also living with the fact that your profitability is crunched big time by all these extra fees that you pay Amazon compared with eBay or Walmart or there's one called Top Hatter and all these other ones anyway
3: yeah no you you have the the absolute right mindset you're moving from like the tactical advice which is um, I think what um, smaller to mid-sized clients, let's just call them, would be interested in. And then for the larger clients, you do have to focus on the benefit or the result of the work. So I think you totally have the right idea. And by showing like, hey, you're having a problem with X, our consulting will get you to... X, right. like essentially, and here's what that looks like, and here's the pretty report, and here's where it shows you exactly what X looks like, or right. whatever. And,
1: and now I suck at Facebook advertising. I've tried it. I've spent thousands on it, and I never get the results. In fact, I stopped doing it because quick picture of the campaign I built. So I had my giveaway, right? My free video on how to clean up your books in QuickBooks Online was my giveaway, not mm-hmm. targeted to the e-commerce audience. This was before that. Um, and I put ad, first I did put ads out saying how to audit your books and nobody was signing up for because I was trying to get them to sign up for my email list to build right. the email list and nobody was biting. I, I changed the language slightly from audit your books to clean up your books. All of a sudden I started getting signups like crazy, but still not much more than my organic results were getting, you know, from just people uh-huh. coming onto my site and getting the pop-up. So I stopped because I said, if I'm going to spend money on Facebook ads, the results should be better than what I can do on my own. Granted, it was still doubling what I can do. But anyway, so Facebook advertising just seems like I'd be better off hiring you to do it. Like it's just <laughs> not I think people think, "Oh, I'm just going to throw an ad up and it's going to be fine." It's and it's not, not easy.
3: Yeah. No. Like I I'm really honest with all of our clients because I I again, since I'm the sales team, even when you book that consultation and you're talking to me about ads, I'm very honest up front. I'm like, "I know enough to be ad about ads to be dangerous." Mm-hmm. But I have an entire team of people who are kick at? am I allowed to say the word?
1: (laughs) That's okay. We're not FCC regulated. (laughs)
3: Kick-butt advertisers, and they're going to come up with that plan for you. And they Mm -hmm. do. I mean, for for an example, we are working with a financial client right now. They have upped their ad budget from 5,000 when we first started with them six months ago. They're now spending 20,000 a month because we're bringing them just tons of subscriptions. And obviously if they see the return on investment, they know that they can put more money into it. Um, So I think Yeah, a lot of times you could do it on your own, but like if you have the budget to let someone else give it a try, it's worth testing. Give it 90 days with someone else, whether it's me or whomever, and let them prove to you that you need them. That's that would be my advice.
1: Yeah, and I've read that that you know even with Facebook ads specifically, you test it out. You spend like a hundred bucks, and then you keep tweaking it until you see it pop. And then once yes. you see it pop, then you pour money into it because that's going to escalate the you know how well it works.
3: Exactly. We like to spend 30 days with the clients who have a shorter amount of time. If they ha- if they give us longer, we like to spend longer. But 30 to 90 days of testing, and we do a ton of split testing, and we test all the platforms, not just Facebook, but we're testing Facebook against Instagram, against Google, against Twitter, against LinkedIn, and we're telling you this is what language converts, this is the graphic that converts the best, this is the platform that converts the best, and then we can give you an estimated ad spend on the platforms that work so that you actually have conversions coming through.
1: Right. And, and so just shifting gears slightly. So, it's you know, especially like taking somebody like me, I assume I could hire you and say, all right, Brooke, I can do the content, but maybe we can work on the strategy together. And then you'd come back and say, Seth, here's the videos we want you to do. You know, here's the subjects to do the videos on. And, and so we can work with you on all different kinds of levels.
3: Yes. Exactly. I mean, the more you have, the better, but we will still test it. I mean, and if we find that we're not hitting that mark, we're going to come back to and be like, this is what we really need, Seth. Is there any way you can develop this kind of content? And if right. you say yes, then great. We'll move forward with that. Right.
1: I can't believe we're already running out of time. This went way too fast. We need to just <laughs> so double fast. the segment. Um, but So I want to make sure before we run out of time, I, I, congratulations are in order. I read online September 2018, you're awarded top 25 woman brand builder in New Jersey for excellence in areas of innovation, community involvement, and advocacy for women. Tell us real quick, like 30 <laughs> seconds about that.
3: Yeah. So apparently... Um, I got nominated, I sit on a a local farm, I sit on a board, and one of the board members, uh, shout out to Dick Wellbrock, he's like 83, (laughs) he nominated me for the award, and um, I think thousands of people get nominated, and it's with Leading Women Entrepreneurs, which is a group which supports entrepreneurs in New Jersey who are women, and then New Jersey Monthly Magazine. And then they have a board of people who come together and pick the top 25 winners, and Somehow, <laughs> I got picked. That's so awesome. yeah, it was super <laughs> exciting, and I'm really proud. And I have to say, it's it's really not my award. It it truly is like it belongs to all of the ladies of B squared because we burnt yep. our hineys off. So. Yep. It belongs to all of us.
1: Well, congratulations, Brooke. Real quick, how do we find you if we want to hire you? And of course, I'll get all the links and everything up in the show notes.
3: <laughs> yeah, so I think the easiest way is just go to our website, which is bsquared.media. It's a notcom. com. So bsquared.media. <laughs> not com. I love that. Yeah. And we have all of our social sites there. We have a, a link to my free consultation. You can check out all of our team members and all of our stupid human tricks. You know, we try to make it fun.
2: So <laughs> definitely check it out. Cool. Very cool. Well, thank you for joining us. This has been great. Thanks yeah, so thank much for, for this having This is a lot me. of
1: fun. I look forward to having you back at some point so we can do just the whole hour on just this stuff. Yeah, never you can enough.
3: Like, hit us up with all of those like social media and advertising questions you guys get and we'll just come through and we'll do an AMA we'll do an ask me anything we can answer all the questions
1: you know okay. what I'm going to get you on my Friday zoom that's a whole different thing and we'll, so I'll follow up with you after this because I think you'll be amazing for that and, and the people will love it thank you so much for being awesome.
3: with us thanks Brooke. guys yeah, Erica thank
1: thanks for another great episode and we will see you all right at nerdenterprises.com
0: Thank you for tuning in. New episodes of the Authentic Accountant Podcast are heard every week on the Voice America Business Channel and on your favorite podcast site. Please join Seth David and Erica Ed again soon for another edition and another complete story of success. The Authentic Accountant is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit helps you leverage the latest technologies and works with you to create tomorrow's future innovations for your firm. Visit quickbooks.intuit.com.